it's Sophia Franklin. You are listening to Sophia with an F. And the F is for phenomenal. (laughs) This podcast is rated F. Are you going to do a a fire festival? Uh, I can't right now because I'm on probation, but in my life, I have to do it. And my entire goal is like do fire festival 1.5 because the first one was half done uh-huh. and it's one and done. No money's allowed. So it's like purely I'm funding it like after everybody's paid back. Excited about this one, guys. I'm getting in my grown woman bag. I'm entering my wifey era at full speed and no one can stop me because I've been investing in myself and in my kitchen. I used to buy the absolute cheapest cookware I could possibly find and mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm, not the move. The move is high quality, thoughtfully designed, non-toxic, and incredibly cute cookware from, drumroll please, Great Jones. You are welcome. Great Jones cookware is so stunning. You will actually want to cook. It's like getting a new super cute slash hot workout set, you'll be at the gym later that day. No question. My Dutch baby from Great Jones, aka the cutest baby pink Dutch oven in the color taffy, I keep that shit on display. That is when I'm not using it. From Dutch ovens to ceramic dishes to nonstick pans, Great Jones has it all. I got my first skillet, you guys. Like, fuck an engagement ring. I can't wait to actually make all the recipes I have saved but never touched because I was ill-equipped. But now, I'll let y'all know when Sleutsgiving dinner is because I am prepared. So upgrade your kitchen and replace those old, rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code SOFIA. That's greatjones.com, promo code SOFIA. Hey Sleuths, what's up? Welcome to Sophia with an F. Today I am joined by legendary, infamous, and newly released Billy McFarland. What's up, Sophia? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Love the intro. Billy, let me just explain. I mean, everyone knows who you are, mm-hmm. but maybe there's, you know, someone out there who doesn't. Billy, you're a businessman, entrepreneur, famously known for Fire Festival. The festival that never happened Mm -hmm. did happen, but didn't happen at the same time, right? How does it feel being like a free man? So like, I never really thought about this, but I think it would be so cool in five years if I'm doing another podcast where they introduce me with something other than the fire Festival. So (laughs) I think like that's a good life goal to have. 
Mm-hmm. Well, we're in a very similar boat yep. because every single podcast I go mm-hmm. on to, it's Sophia from, you know, I talked to you for two seconds about yep. this off air, but I need to address this. So we have a mutual friend and this was years ago. I was in Los Angeles. I was with a bunch of friends. It was a very crazy time in my life. I was staying at this very insane house. And I remember I was upstairs in this dude's room, me and all my friends. And he pulls down this box and he says, this is all of Billy McFarlane's shit. His diaries, his documents, like every single thing, like look, 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 like like passing around for us to read it. I didn't read it, Billy. I respected your privacy. Well, first of all, is that true? So can I give a stare down to the camera, like to this guy <laughs> who's not my friend? Cause I want my diaries and journals back, please. But um, yeah, I've been looking for them. So this is fucking wild. <laughs> The real story is I have this incredible business partner who I've known for like 12 years and I've been mailing him my writing from jail like on a weekly basis for four years. This person we're talking about was pitching him on some concept and like they ended up at the same house together for a short period of time and that's where the journal entries were. But we had called this guy saying, hey, we think we left some journal entries at your place and he denies it. So I want that back, please. Oh my fucking God. I had to go through 10 months of solitary to write all that shit. So I think I deserve to have my journal entries back. But thank thank you for letting me know. (laughs) Well, they're safe and sound wherever he has them. He's probably on the run at this point. So I'm not sure if we're going to find them. That's very true. (laughs) Fuck, why didn't I take them? You should have. I would have given them back to you. I would have like charged you for it probably. But you would have like understood my psychology maybe more and asked like different questions today. So it could have been cool. Exactly. That is fucking. So how much like, how much writing does he have from you? Like an everyday letter from jail that you were like sending off? Yeah, probably a few thousand pages. We would have these like 80 sheet notebooks and it's like, I would just bang through them. That is fucking crazy. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing else to do, right? It's like burpees and writing. So, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> Yeah, we're definitely going to get into prison life yeah. in a second. I just can't get over the fact that I thought he was bullshitting me yeah. when he said that. And I was like, you're full of shit. But like, I guess it was your stuff. No, it was real. So is he trying to get get laid by saying, hey, I got this guy in jail yeah. <laughs> sending me journal entries? Like, Billy, sweet man. <laughs> Billy, I think you are 99% accurate. Crazy. Real quick, this yeah. is super motivating. I now have two aspirations because of Sophia. Mm-hmm. Um, one is to not be introduced to the fire Festival guy. And the second is to be cool enough that if I mail some of my journal entries, they get laid. So, <laughs> so, so if I can pull either one of those off, like, thank you. Right. Well, I mean, how long have you been out of prison again? My sentence ended August 30th. So like five months. Okay. So your upbringing, I want to talk about that because everyone is like Billy from Fire Festival. Who was Billy before Fire Festival? Well, you yeah. grew up really wealthy. Just like regular, like middle class, I guess, suburban New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Just started programming literally at like nine or 10 years old. I was like building companies when I should have been, you know, doing like middle school things. So yeah, I was like super nerd. And then like programming introduced me to the crazy worlds of New York City and entertainment. And wow, that's how everything got kicked off. I see the nerd. Yeah. I see the, in a very positive way, by yeah, the way. No, thank you. But for sure. How were you with the ladies growing up? Um, <laughs> I guess like 
pretty bad when I was super young. Mm -hmm. And then when I started realizing that like I could program to get girls in some weird way, it started like getting better. I built a social network in middle school and by accident, like I limited how many pictures the kids could upload to their profiles. Mm. Then a couple of the girls had come up to be complaining. But then when I realized like I could fix it for everybody, I didn't. And it's like fix it for like the one off girls. So, so they, so they I could make the girls, more. you have to come to me first. Be like, oh, well, make, make it so I can upload more pictures like you did for Sarah. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess so. Wow. <laughs> so that was like my hack to get them to come talk to me. So that, that worked a little bit. That That's fucking smart. Yeah. And is this before or after Facebook or what? When it you was were like, doing this? I was in seventh grade, so. I don't know, I was 12, 13 years old. So, so Mark sure. Zuckerberg stole your shit. I think Facebook was like in Harvard only at this point. And like MySpace was a thing. And I'm like, hey, can I make a private network for middle schools? The worst part of this, it was called your hot site. The school found out about it, freaked out, made me sell it. And then when I was applying to college, like literally four years later, like a junior in high school, I had it like front and center on my resume below and you know, a couple other things. Uh-huh. And I was meeting with the dean of this school and he goes, oh, hmm, let me, let me pull your hot site up. And it had been like resold a couple of times since then. And it was now turned into a porn site. So he pulls it up on his computer. He's like, it's uh, been turned into a porn <laughs> it, site. It's turned into a porn site. This is literally four, four years later. Can we check this porn site out? Or uh, what? I checked recently since they got out of jail. It's no longer live, but it was yourhotsite.com before. I was 12 years old. Give me a break. I thought that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Could, could, I could help people make their own website that I thought was hot. So 1000%. I mean, no hate on porn also. Yeah, but, I think that, that helps people. Yeah. So and, you know, when you go about it in a very careful way. So what did or what do your parents do? Uh, they do like real estate stuff in New Jersey. And okay. yeah, they're like not involved in like the, my New York escapades. They're not? No. Well, how do they feel about the whole prison thing? I think it's just like super embarrassing for all friends and family. Mm. And the hardest part of jail that no one tells you, but you told me you got arrested, so I want to dive into this too. But the yeah. hardest part is that like the punishment really is on the people who care about you. Because like when you're going through something, you at least kind of comprehend it. But when you're not there, your mind just goes to like the darkest places. So it's just yeah. the hardest for like the people who truly care about you. Right. And by the way, your stint and mine were mm-hmm. very different, but I had gone arrested multiple times. And yeah, I think that I think that's one of the hardest things is like seeing the look on your mom's face, like fuck. Yeah, you know? it's scary. But to all the guy listeners, I want to clarify: mm-hmm. in the Brooklyn Detention Center, I would see some of the female prisoners in like different cages, and none of them looked like Sophia. So don't don't get arrested thinking you're gonna you're gonna meet Sophia in jail. Uh huh. <laughs> yes, very very true. I mean, let's jump into it. We are going to talk about Fire Festival, but like I really want to talk about your stint in prison. Yeah. Well, actually, I feel like we need to talk about why you were there. So you dropped out of college and then you have multiple startups, mm-hmm. right? Under your belt. Yeah. So dropped out at 19, mm-hmm. I guess like halfway through. I guess like you could say I finished my freshman year, I think technically. <laughs> Started my first like venture capital backed business at 19. Oh. That essentially allowed me to move to New York and... I think like one of the fun stories is I was in the second ever WeWork space. So Ooh. it was back in like, you know, Adam walking around, shoeless in the WeWork and like the early, early days where it was like one floor. Right. And it was basically a handful of companies that received funding from like this group of investors who were all kind of there. So much different than what it became. Uh-huh. But yeah, I was like 19, thought I was like the man because I built some like shitty website in my dorm room. And now I'm sitting in like Varick Street in downtown Manhattan trying to make shit happen. How do you feel about Adam Newman? I think uh, don't like 
don't know him. So I think like he's an incredible entrepreneur. And I think that there's different skill sets from taking something from like zero to one and from like one to two. And uh-huh. it's fine if you don't have all those skill sets. But I think like everybody talking shit probably doesn't have the capabilities of building a $5 billion business that like changed an industry that hadn't been changed in so long. Do you think there's a little bit of like a scam artist, con artistry to Adam Newman? I just think that like, as with most entrepreneurs, you don't know when you're no longer like the guy anymore. So while it's easy to dis not saying, hey, it's time for the next person to take over. Yeah. You should also look at the accomplishments and realize like very few people were able to mm-hmm. literally change the way people work like you did. So you think it's less delusion and more maybe denial or just not wanting to kind of give up, you know, what they built? I think it's both. And when you're told you're great and you see the results for so many years, you mm-hmm. think you can keep evolving. But there are very few people like Mark Zuckerberg who could like take it every step of the way. And mm-hmm. it's just natural where you kind of reach that limit of what your skill set is. And you're probably best going to do it again with something new and having somebody, you know, take it over and help manage it. So, yeah, yeah I think like I didn't know how to get guardrails. And obviously he was far more incredible in like so many ways. But mm-hmm. it's all about like needing to understand when you need to bring on like guardrails and help to protect like your creation. Jail has been really weird because <laughs> it showed me that we all have like so much good in us, but like everybody is also highly flawed. So mm-hmm. I think it made me more like respectful of people's greatness, but also more aware of their flaws. So it's like, I think I'm much quicker now to like admire what someone that something does like, wow, like that person's incredible, but also like, oh wait, I can, I can see like the issue, you Mm -hmm. know, underlying a lot of these like decisions making too. So it's kind of like a weird, like psychological, you know, time. So you're not saying necessarily that you're more compassionate. You're saying you've been able to understand people deeper and psychologically on like a, on a different level than you were before. I think certainly like more compassionate across the board, but Mm -hmm. also, I think with like a lot of other entrepreneurs, like I can notice like similar like character flaws that we have and it's right. like, just like, stop it. Like you're doing this wrong. And like, right, so right, it's right. kind of funny to see both sides of it too. But on the compassion side, so much of like the experience of jail, which is like the value of exposure. And we were so spoiled, like living in New York, or, like early East Manhattan, where we just kind of see all the worlds at their glory and like mm-hmm. at their worst part. And my last jail was like outside of Detroit in Michigan. And it's like, a lot of these kids were arrested at 19 in Chicago and they didn't know like one person in their life who had a real job or who like wasn't selling crack. Mm-hmm. And it's like, fuck, it's like so many people in America just haven't been blessed like with the exposure that a lot of people have in these major cities. Yeah, you understand their story. Mm-hmm. People think, oh, criminal, oh, they did this like unforgivable and you need to understand someone's story. So I was walking around like with this, there were very few people in for financial crimes this last jail I was at. And there was a guy with a pretty high profile case, like Harvard guy who's like 55 years old who stole a bunch of money. Can we, and can we name drop? I'm not gonna name drop, but he's like, he's like, <laughs> look at these guys. Like, look, look, they're idiots. And uh-huh. I'm like, and I'm like looking at him. It's like, no dude, like we're the fucking idiots, right? Like we had our whole lives handed to us. And then we ended up here where everybody they knew is here, right? So that's where they were expected to go. And like, we don't know anybody here. It's like, we're the idiots. And like that statement from him, like was just like so mind blowing in terms of like how wrong he was and Uh how wrong a lot of people were when approaching the subject. 
Well, and just the white privilege and like you yeah. and you checking him on it. So Fire Festival, what was your original vision for the company? So like there wasn't ever a festival until it was too late. And I think that's the easiest way to say it. I built this booking app where mm. I was trying to basically do like an Airbnb for celebrities where like anybody who had like a, any like loser 22 year old a tech company like me could contact some sort of entertainer and book them for like a concert or a sponsorship. Basically trying to build a marketplace there. Mm-hmm. But I was just like highly addicted to like the adrenaline of these island adventures. And for years I've been like flying really small airplanes, just like taking friends to the middle of nowhere. And it was like pushing the boundaries like of our life and safety in the Bahamas. Mm. And as I was meeting more entertainer types through the fire app, I started bringing them as well. What does that mean pushing the safety and the boundary? Like taking a six seat propeller plane from Long Island, which probably <laughs> is safe to fly to like DC, straight across <gasps> the ocean, like to uh-huh. an island that like barely exists. So and like, then, like naked and afraid, like the show kinda? Yeah, but like luxuriously. <laughs> like, <laughs> like getting like a sick island, but then still like pushing it. Like, all right guys, like it's, a, it. it's the middle of the night. Like let's see, you can like drive a jet ski out further in the pitch black and like go catch a fish. Like, Okay, some real, real rebel <laughs> like just shit. Just going for it, yeah. Okay, so you had an app, and then somehow it turned into a festival. I was, like, there on one of these trips, and my high school friend, who was basically just, like, showing off to me, like, hey, like, look what I'm doing now, and I brought him along. He's like, you should totally do a festival for Magnesis, which is my other company's, like, members. I'm like, mm. hell yeah, and, and the rest is history. And I remember getting home, like, after that trip, getting an introduction to uh, the head of what was like the biggest modeling agency at the time through one of my investors. And I called them, I was like, I want like these six models to come with me next weekend to do a video for my festival. Mm. And he literally laughed me off the phone. He's like, all right, kid, like, you know, funny, like I took your call because I know your investor and like, he's great, but I don't care like how much money he's going to invest in you, this is not gonna happen. Okay. Three weeks later, he called back like saying, hey, my entire roster wants to come. Okay, so <laughs> what What was the change, what flipped? So basically like got pissed off that like this guy would tell me no, and I'm like, I'm gonna show him. And it's like started working my way down the list of different agencies and just started going every weekend and like we would bring people there and come back and then everybody would say the same thing. Like that was the craziest weekend of my life. So, so you would just offer free trips to some of these models or influencers or and like, whatever. Basically, I was thinking ahead, so I'm saying, hey, I'll take you, but we're going to do a big announcement in a couple months, and you have to post for that, and you have to post a couple of times, and you have to come as well. Mm. So, And like they were saying, yes, we weren't paying them for these early trips. We ended up paying the bigger names like in the weeks to come, but that was kind of the, the pitch, and they were coming, and they would come back to New York and be like, that was fucking wild. And it's like the word got around, and it went from like getting laughed off the phone to literally three weeks later like begging, like, hey, when can they come, when can uh-huh. they come? And that just created this like tsunami swell of everything good and then terrible that came of it yeah so the guy told you no and you were like fuck that i'm gonna go not directly to the source but kind of and just kind of like build hype around it myself and then the big names followed suit exactly but i was certainly wrong like it's definitely something emotional journey for me where i was the root of all problems i like made so many bad mistakes and i need to pay for that Mm -hmm. and like money is a part of it but it's a small part of it it's like rebuilding trust and there's so much needs to come mm-hmm. but part of the balance for me too is when some people reach out to me who i feel like wronged me it's like wait do i tell them to fuck off or, or do i realize <laughs> yeah. that like i was an asshole too and they should be nice and like right. that i just like don't know how to handle at this point 
Okay, so to I'm our sorry. mutual friend, we might forgive you. If you bring back There's the always exceptions, and I think he falls <laughs> into that exception. Okay, so you you claim the company to be worth $90 million. Yeah. And according to authorities, you guys only did 60K in mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. Where did the $90 million come yep. from? Yeah, so like before we get into that, I was definitely wrong and definitely lied. I think like there's certainly a misconception though about how these like venture capital businesses work. I couldn't claim it's worth this. Like if someone gave $15 million and got what, 15%, then it's worth 90 something million dollars. Just kind of like how the math works. But Mm -hmm. underlying all that, like I was lying about our company's revenue for sure. So I think a lot of entrepreneurs definitely push the boundaries in terms of like what's morally acceptable. Mm -hmm. And I think in a weird way, it was not quite encouraged, but allowed for yeah. a certain period of time and like I took it way far beyond like what anybody with any kind of ethics would, would deem acceptable but I do think there was some level not with me but in like the general startup venture capital world of in those early days like you got to push everything and that yeah that could include your rosy numbers right so you would forge documents correct yeah so it's like I was super super unsophisticated about it and basically <laughs> made like an excel spreadsheet that was bullshit like saying here's how much we made and, and they, they believed it? I think like it actually raised less money with my lies because people have realized it was bullshit and they were still investing because they had known me and trust me for so long. And oh. that's like the biggest thing that people don't understand is I truly think if I didn't lie, I would have raised more money and had a better chance of pulling it off, which is just such a mind fuck. So what was it that made you want to lie? How Pressure. Just, yeah. Like you're just riding the wave, like you don't want to let people down. It feels good, adrenaline rush. So I actually think it makes my crime worse, but most of the investors are people who I had known for five or six years. They backed me when I was 19, again when I was like 22, then again at 24 for the fire Festival. Mm-hmm. So they had seen all the ups and downs throughout the years. So when I came to them and said, hey guys, like this one's gonna be much bigger, they were, they were not in the place to question me because they had built the trust up. So I think mm. like violating that trust is worse than wire fraud. Like both send you to jail, but that's where I totally like morally fucked up. And I was so scared to just like, I was, I was a pussy, right? Like I was afraid to deliver bad news. <laughs> and I kept thinking that these people cared so much about me whether they did or didn't. And if I disappointed them in any capacity, like my self-worth as this like young man, mm-hmm. it just like diminished. So I was so scared to not be like perfect in the eyes of the people who took chances on me. Right. I'm sure you've had a lot of time to think about those things while you were in prison. One big lesson is that if someone is too good to be true, where they're just like always saying the right thing to make you happy, like it's it's hard to trust them. Cause like I used to be that person. I kind of see it. You were like the yes man type thing. Yeah, like always like wanting to make you happy. Like just meet you. Like how can I make your day as good as possible? And like when it becomes too much, like, you know, hard to kind of trust yes like, if something is not perfect like can they tell you and if they can't tell you it just like makes that problem worse you need you need to surround yourself with no people yeah which i sure. think i surround myself with too many no people really? and i need more yes people <laughs> that's definitely something to it though because in order to do something great you need to have a concept that most people think is ridiculous right and then like when you pull it off that's what like elevates you so mm-hmm. if you have people who only say no and they hold you back from that i can see that being a bad thing too Okay, I want to ask you about this business idea, super random tangent, and this is trademark, no one can take it. (laughs) It's not mine, it's someone I know. Okay. He wants to do toilet paper for urinals because he said that after dudes pee, 
they will just like shake their dick and then put it back in their boxers and will literally have piss in their boxers and think that's fine. And he thinks it's disgusting. And so he'll wipe his wiener hole with, with toilet paper. So I was, you're gonna get me in trouble, but I was peeing in the bathroom at night and uh, a girl was brushing her teeth. Uh-huh. She saw me pee and then I did exactly as your boyfriend described. I didn't use a toilet paper and she grabbed the roll of toilet paper and like ripped off the piece and gave it to me and like it started like a 30 minute argument about it being ridiculous. So Wait, wait, wait. She grabbed the toilet paper <laughs> yeah, for you? she basically said, wipe yourself off. Oh. And I'm like, what, what the, f- I'm not doing that. And like, you know, I'm like, got stubborn. Like men don't do that. Like I didn't say that exactly, but that was my, that was my like heels in the ground kind of moment. And we argued about it for a while. So wow. I think it's actually an interesting concept and like make all the girls buy it for their boyfriends for like yeah. some sort of holiday. So yeah. We're going to put a poll up and see okay. how many dudes wipe their wiener hole. Okay. So uh, back to fire festival. I don't know what the fuck we were just talking about. So these influencers, whatever they go, did you, you paid them to go though, right? I uh, maybe like twelve to twelve to fifteen of the big names were paid to come and post. How much would you pay me? He's like <laughs> back, back when I was like a twenty-four year old, I would have looked in like my nine accounts and added it all up and <laughs> whatever that number was. And like, depending on the morning, it could have been negative a hundred grand or like positive 10 million. So it right. <laughs> depended on the day. It depends on what I caught you. Yeah. Apartments.com believes having a gym in your building does way more than just get you in shape. It turns your entire life around and is a great place to scope out the hot guy that lives in your building. And by guy, I mean guys. Having a gym in your building makes it 10 times more likely that you actually end up, show up, and work out. I mean, it's five floors down or whatever it is. And you'll be saving money on a gym membership that you'll go to probably half as much. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live is easy. Apartments.com hosts more rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. Or treadmill, for that matter. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. The days leading up to the event, you had to know like shit was about to fucking explode. I didn't know until the last second and it sounds crazy, but I truly thought this was going to work. The festival was scheduled from Thursday, from from Friday through Sunday for two weekends, Mm -hmm. but it was like on an island, right? So we had to get everybody there. So we chartered these two 737 planes. We set up a terminal in Miami International Airport. Like people didn't appreciate the fucking magnitude of these logistics and clearly neither did I, but mm-hmm. had our own fire terminal like in Miami Airport. And we had these planes going back and forth all day long, starting Thursday morning to get everybody there. So Wednesday night, like we weren't ready. And I'm like, oh, I'm a genius. Let's just put lights up so we can work all night long and be ready by Thursday morning. Okay. But then as soon as like my great idea came, this storm, like as if scripted in a movie, just rolled in and everything just turned to shit. But I mean, there were supposed to be like these like extravagant villas and like. Yeah, we, we weren't ready. We weren't ready. And like. But, but you didn't know you weren't ready until. I think I would justify to myself that like the island's beautiful. 
We have <laughs> artists who are coming or on their way, whatever it was. We have all these hot fucking girls that are going to arrive. Like uh-huh. people are going to have a good time. Like everything is good enough mm-hmm. that it would still like be amazing. And like, that's a mentality that I had and like never came to terms with how far off it would have been. Right. And you were like, this could come together. I just couldn't, I couldn't zoom out. And like, I kept getting caught up in like the small wins. Like, Oh, like, look, these mattresses, we just bought an Amazon on that credit card, like two weeks ago. They look great. Like (laughs) awesome. Like we're going to make this happen. Or like, Oh great. Like the alcohol company actually like sent us a barge. Like, okay, cool. We have drinks now. Like, I was was, like so caught up in the little shit. In the little positives. Yeah. And I couldn't like understand that I was climbing this mountain that was impossible and like, cool, I could take like one step, but mm-hmm. I'm so I can get blown off in two weeks. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, also you don't want to, there's like a lot of money at stake, right? Reputation yeah, I, and money. I just couldn't, just didn't have the ability to call people and be like, hey guys, like I can't do this. I just right. didn't know how to be that person. Yeah. yeah. Do you regret it now? Do you wish you had been like, For probably sure. don't show up here? I mean, like I regret lying from day one. And I think that what could have happened was we announced the festival were before it was really a festival. Clearly there's interest in it. I could have sat down and big, like, all right, I don't have enough money. I don't have the experience. Like, let me call my backers and explain to them. And they would have been like, okay, like let's push it out for 18 months. Let's get a real, you know, music company involved to execute it. Let's figure out how much we need and who's going to back it. And like it would have worked. Mm-hmm. So like the lies created the downfall, like beyond jail in so many ways. And, uh, I know it wasn't just you behind the festival, mm-hmm. obviously. Jaw Rule is, I think, like the most famous one, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of like who was your partner in like that? Like the day of, we had almost 800 people who were working there. So that was everybody from like our techies back in like the US to people hired to actually man the festival site. Mm-hmm. So just a lot of people, I didn't know how to manage it. And I just remember standing in this like milk carton, getting yelled at and like yelling back to all these ticket holders. And I'm like, I'm paying 800 people. Like, where the fuck are they? Yeah. I just like felt like I couldn't find anybody. It just like showed my bad management, you know, skills at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But our right. payroll was fucking crazy. You know, it's like $10 million a month in like salaries. And it's like, I can't find one person. $10 million a yeah. month in salaries? Yeah. It was absurd. Whoa. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, who was running your finances? No one. That was one of the problems. Jaw rule. So kidding. I didn't. Like people think I was in, like in a back room. I truly didn't have my own credit or debit card for like three months before the festival. I had like nine bank accounts between like personal and the companies. 20 people had logins to all of them. And like I had various team members like with all my money at any time. So I'd be like at dinner and like calling like someone, hey, can you like Zell this like restaurant I'm at? Or can you like wire this person for me? Like it was all like a, total, is, like a total shit show. That is fucking crazy. <laughs> Were you like picturing a Coachella type thing? For, I think like I was picturing more of like an adventure and mm-hmm. music was a part of it, but music wasn't the end goal. I, I never wanted to have like 80,000 people like at a stage going like this. I wanted 3,000 people on boats, on jet skis, on plane, just like yeah. exploring. So it's almost like Indiana Jones, like with the coolest artists that I thought like, you know, performing in the background. Right. Are you going to do a, a fire festival? Uh, 2.0? I can't right now because I'm on probation, but in my life I have to do it. And my entire goal is like get some business success in the next couple of years and just do it for free where like not one person's paying, but it's like do the craziest festival of all time and never do it again. Okay. So it's like do fire festival 1.5 because the first one was half done uh-huh. and it's one and done. You know, Piku comes like a mixture of old people and new people and there's not no dollar, no money's allowed. So it's like purely I'm funding it like after everybody's paid back and it's like, mm. just like, you know, me kind of just like doing it just to fucking do it and like yeah. not for a business. So, cause I heard something like you 
I don't know if you filed a lawsuit mm-hmm. or like something, but you didn't want to pay the people who had purchased tickets or you wanted them to pay you. Is that accurate? I'm not sure. This but like, like truthfully, there have been so many lawsuits and <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like the lawyers are crazy expensive, right? So like I'm trying to get caught up and like I'm paying them as I can, but mm. yeah. And I've certainly spent probably like a million dollars on lawyers in the past, you know, since everything failed. So it's do like you, trying to catch to, up. Yeah. Do you have to pay them like on a retainer yeah. hourly? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's never ending, right? A million dollars. It's like my total legal bill from fire festival failure to today is like around a million dollars. Yeah. So it's That's crazy. That's so crazy. Yeah. So See, it's like you get arrested for losing money, but then you need to have a shitload of money to like. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> hold on. Where is this million of, where is this million dollars coming from? By the way, I had like friends and other people like helping me like after the festival collapsed, mm. like pay legal bills. But like recently it's just like been me and my earnings. So my legal bills like today are just like not as crazy as they were before, but it was just like a total clusterfuck for sure. Yeah. Last thing about oh. fire festival and then we're moving on. So when you guys ran out of water, there's like this infamous thing that happened with one of your partners and you told him to go talk to whatever people on the island who were basically in charge of the water source. Yeah. And you told him, go suck the guy's (laughs) dick, right? In order to get the water. Is that correct? So I I want to put this back on you for one second, then I'll answer the question. Okay. I was so scared to tell anybody any bad news. Do you think like me as this like pussy 24 year old or 25 maybe at the time mm-hmm. had the capability to order a grown ass man to go suck a dick in like in serious behavior? Like you're saying you were joking. Like it was a joke. Yes, it was totally in jest. It's mm-hmm. like, go do whatever it takes. Like go suck that guy's dick and get the water. And but, I think. but wasn't he like down to do it? Uh, I had no idea until I heard stories in jail about me ordering a guy to go suck a dick. Mm-hmm. So I remember this like jail guard tried to trip me up too. He's like, did you order someone to blow like a government official? I'm like, wait, what? Like, where's this coming from? He's like, answer the question right now. I'm like, what? Like, I never heard about this. So oh my, it, yeah, it was like news to me. Like when this all kind of became a big thing. Okay. Do you think the guard was kind of asking for oh, to his, set me up? Per- yeah. so for his personal, uh, uh, I don't know the way it felt like a setup and like, I didn't even hear about it yet. And I'm like, wait, wait, what's going on? Like I didn't, demand anybody do anything any customs officer like i was just so confused okay and it just kind of created this shitstorm. yeah so at that point when you're like go suck a dick for water for these people like you knew shit had hit the fan yeah but i was also like talking like a 25 year old guy i'm like go do whatever it takes like i have a million problems right now like go suck this guy's dick get this water at to solve this other issue and like that was my mentality it was like one of a thousand storms that day and Mm -hmm. so i think it was like a little taken out of context but i think it makes for good tv so, okay, your conviction started when you and Ja Rule were sued for $100 million in a class action lawsuit. What was your immediate reaction when you were being sued for that much? Because I would, my heart would come out of my chest. Um, so I had just gotten back to New York. I think I was just arrested for the first time due to the festival. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew I was totally fucked. And then I got the news for like a $100 million lawsuit. And all I remember is that like, 12 of my high school friends took me out to dinner that night, like after the lawsuit came out. And like that, that was my only memory of the day. What? And but, they're like, you're see a dude, like you're going to jail type thing. Yeah, I think that was basically the underlying theme, though, although no one said it. Yeah. But yeah, I think like they saw the numbers like, all right, we'll buy dinner and you worry about the hundred million. <laughs> were, they, were they like, uh, 
did any of them try to lie to you type thing? Like, you'll be fine. No, no one tried to lie. <laughs> so I think like that's the craziest thing. No one's like, it's okay, kid. Everybody's like, yeah, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. Wait, where did they find you to arrest you? Uh, I was at my apartment. And they just showed up yeah. to your apartment? Yeah. Did you ever think about like, maybe not being at your apartment? No. Like <laughs> You were like, I'm just gonna... I'm, I'm done. You're yeah. not gonna be like running. No, I'm done. Yeah, okay. There's no, yeah, no other way to do it. Okay. So when you're booked into jail... And then you're released on a 300K bond. Yes, yeah, so I go to jail. They came on like Friday night at like five o'clock. Mm-hmm. And this is the weekend. I think 4th of July was on like a Tuesday. So I'm like, oh, fuck. And all I knew about jail from the movies, right? And I'm like, all right, I'm nonviolent. It's my first time. So I'll get bail no matter what. But I'm going to be stuck here until Wednesday. Like I think it was the holiday. So I get there on Friday, get introduced to my cellmate. He was like a heroin dealer doing like 10 years. His name was R. Isn't that interesting, your cellmate, who they pair you up with, and you're like, we come from different, yeah, exactly. from different backgrounds. I just remember like walking to the cell, his like underwear is like hanging on a string that he like pulled <laughs> off of his bed sheet like across the cell. He's like, yo, what's up, man? Sorry, I got to move my shit. I'm like, wait, what? Wait, were you scared? <laughs> yeah, it's my first time ever in jail in, in fucking Brooklyn Detention Center. This guy's like fucking jacked, all tatted up, like walking around like in his boxers and like hanging his underwear on the lines. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's like, it's like, what are you in here for? And I, I told him, he was yeah, yeah, whatever. And then he just didn't, didn't believe me. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm getting bail tomorrow, so don't worry, you don't have to deal with me for very long. He looks at me with this like smirk. He goes, yeah, good luck, kid. Like, no one's ever gotten bail on a Saturday. I've never seen that shit before. And he's kind of like saying this thing to me, and he goes, but one advice. If they do let your crazy ass out and any girl's talking to you, knock her up now because that's the only chance she's going to talk to you again. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like looking at him. That's the only chance? Yeah, I'm like looking at him like, what? And then so they, I did like get out on Saturday. And, and did you hurry and get a girl pregnant or what? No, but the only thing the FBI asked me that day when they picked me up, it's like, what did you learn from spending one night in jail? I said, they told me to knock my girlfriend up because it's the only way she's ever going to talk to me again. And they were, they were cracking up. So. They were cracking up. <laughs> okay, amazing. <laughs> Fifty high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she is returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and the brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, wider-looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, 
wider, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes. Plus, it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lom. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out LumifyEyes.com to learn more. While you were out on bond, though, you yeah. you got involved in like another scheme, NYC yeah. VIP access mm -hmm. targeting fire Festival consumers with the intent of recouping some of the money you owed. So there there is no excuse for for this. And I think I was going to say, how did you have the balls to do that? I'm one? a fucking idiot. There's like I was wrong, and I think the only way I can justify it to myself is that just because the festival failed and just because I spent one night in jail, mm -hmm. like I hadn't learned yet. So like, well, I, obviously, yeah, because your response to so yeah, like I was cops. still in the same behavioral pattern. It's like being an asshole, and it, it, it was wrong. Mm -hmm. So, how soon after trial did you end up like going to prison? Prison. So, a year after I was out on bail, my bail was revoked because of my genius idea as well on bail. So, mm. they brought me back to Brooklyn, and mm -hmm. like this time it was for real, and like that time I wasn't getting out, and that was fucking scary. Yeah. yeah. Really scary. Brooklyn Detention Center, is a, it's a hellhole. And it's like every type of person from like El Chapa was there for his pretrial stuff to like, you know, to, to everything in between. So it was like, it, it was like, it's a hellhole. Okay. So when I was booked in. Yeah. Because I was actually booked in, booked in, like jumpsuit, everything. Nice. And how to sell me. Did you get strip shirts? Yeah. Yes. All right, good. And I've, I I've mastered the technique if you need any, if you want me to show you that. what? I've mastered the strip search technique. What do you do? How do you, you smuggle shit in? You, oh. <laughs> there, there is one guy who totally mastered it way beyond me. Uh -huh. he, he had this belly button that was literally like a cave. Like you could get like lost in your belly button. It was so deep. He had to tie a string to the stuff he hid in his belly button. Shut the so they never understood how they couldn't catch this guy. And he would always have his drugs in like this little phone, like the size of your thumb. He called it the thumb phone in his belly button. So they'd be strip searching him. They'd like put him in like a, a suit where he had to basically like shit himself. And they like look through his shit to see if he like swallowed anything. And they could never find his stuff. And he always come back out like, ha, 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 get to my belly button. And like pull the string out. Like, Wait, I'm sorry. Was that, was, did, like, was that a natural belly oh, button? Oh, it was a natural belly button. Artificial string, natural belly button. But they can never understand how this guy can not get caught. And they that would take is... him away for weeks and he'd come back like, oh, still got it. Like... Wait, that's like something happened to him with the yeah. umbilical cord. It was, just, it was hilarious though. But he, he mastered the strip search. Another time when I first got to Brooklyn, this, this, the belly button guy was later in my, in my, uh, my education, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Another guy is trying to like 
teach me how to, you know, shove shit up my ass. And I never did it. And he's like, dude, there are like shelves in there. You like, you go up to the left, you go up a little higher to the right. And you can, he's like trying to Telling explain to me like how much you can store in there. All the, all the crevices, <laughs> all, the crevices. all the inner workings of Take your body. Take a left body. turn at this point. And like you can... <laughs> right, right, right. So you were not put in the prisons where the real. No. So I didn't get there, but Brooklyn, however, had all levels. So Brooklyn is mostly for people either before their trial or after their trial, people who didn't get bail, right? And I went there because my bail was revoked. So mm-hmm. they had all security levels from like me up until, you know, someone with a life sentence for, for murder or whatever else it was. So was it a maximum security Yeah, prison? it was maximum security. But it, it, it was maximum security, but had all security levels there and everybody mm-hmm. was mixed together. So like there were very few financial guys there because most financial people, you know, have bail on their case. Okay, because I was assuming, because I always think there's like maximum yeah. security, and there's this type of prison, and then there's this type of prison that they have for the Jordan Belfords yeah. and the Bernie Madoffs of the world. Totally, totally true. So Is that where you went? Yeah, so after Brooklyn, I was sent to a minimum security mm-hmm. uh, in upstate New York, mm-hmm. and it was like a lot of financial guys were there, and I just didn't last very long, so got in trouble. They, what does that mean? I had a, I was trying to write a book. I was, I'm so stupid. And so I had a USB device. Mm-hmm. They found it. And, Did you bring it in through the belly button? Uh, my belly button is, is not you know, good enough for that, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> and I was like, I've been in jail for seven months at this point, so I was super skinny, so I know where to hide it in my belly button mm. at that point. But um, yeah, I got in trouble, and then I just kept shipping me to worse and worse jails. Mm. Um, literally, I, I took Con Air three times, so like on the airplane, like where the guards have the machine guns and like you're shackled and like going like this in the plane, like that's, that's scary shit. Yeah, that is really scary. Yeah. Cause when I was booked in, I knew I wasn't gonna be there for like years and years. <laughs> what did you do? Underage drinking. Oh, oh Sophia, <laughs> I was but, lying about first. No, 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 like, no, I gotta no. kill this guy? No, like, <laughs> okay, but Billy, listen to this. I got caught with a fake ID. Okay which they put me on the front cover of Busted Magazine, which is this magazine that's like, <laughs> they sell all over um, for Where were forgery, you, New York? for forgery. So people thought I was like counterfeiting checks. Oh, like, you're, you're, that's cool, it had some edge to your persona. Where, where, where were you, were you in New York or no? I was in Utah oh, God, where there's no crime. Yeah, so they're like, good. ooh, this girl. But they booked me in and I was super scared. And I think the the cop was on a little bit of a power trip. Yeah. This is not me saying like it was fine what I did, but I mean, underage drinking, come on. I, yeah. What you did was bad. Yeah, yeah, no, for What sure. I did was not bad. You can't even compare it, yeah. <laughs> so where do they put you, like in a big like holding cell? Yeah, and I think it was, well, that was my third time getting arrested. So I think they were like, we really got to like scare the, (laughs) we got to scare this girl at this point. You know, we got to scare the fuck out of her. So they booked me and and my cellmate was like this, this meth head, I'll never forget. I told her I was scared. She said, oh my God, really? It's so much better in here than out there. And I was like, Uh, ooh, uh, so we're dealing with some real like type of bitch. Yeah. But... Um, when I asked when I would be released, they <sighs> said, we have no clue. It could be weeks. And even just hearing weeks and there, and I knew there were people there that had actually like murdered people in this jail. And I'm like, what is going on? So 
I feel for you. I'm sure yours was on a different level, but that's but so hard. Like not knowing is the hardest not part. Knowing. It's like, Hey, if you said, okay, tomorrow at 10 AM getting out of here, like it's still going to suck, but you can like mentally get around exactly. it. Exactly. But not knowing it just, Oh, my oh gosh. I had no clue. Yeah. Oh, I feel bad. I'm sorry. It's it was, terrible. It was, it was really terrible. Terrible. So, oh. but my question is, um, I always thought the, the prisons where they take like the Bernie Madoffs yeah. and the Martha Stewart's you guys are like playing pickleball yeah. and you know having the best time ever. Is that not accurate? Uh, there was a tennis court at the first one, so there okay. was, there was like wasn't a nice tennis court. It was like a uh-huh. lines drawn onto like uneven, you know, blacktop. But definitely right. play tennis there. Mm-hmm. Um, is the food a little better? The food is just trash. I literally like ate out of a mop bucket for two years. Like the guys would take like the yellow mop buckets that janitors use. They would steal like a cable cord from the TVs. Yeah, and like turn these mop buckets into fryers. So like literally eating food, they were frying out of like the janitor mop buckets. And like, that was my, literally my meals for two years straight. So I'm sure I'm dying of like many, (laughs) many plastic-based diseases. Yeah, I hope you've been to a doctor since you've been out. Like you need need to get your blood pressure. I know, for sure. 100%. For sure, I'm I'm scared to check. Can you feel it, Sloots? The days are getting warmer and spring has officially sprung, which means spring break is here. Which, for the older folk, that basically means people are going outside, they're staying outside, and they are staying out way longer. But the thing is, who wants to deal with those post-party struggles? I know I don't. I mean, I quite literally and physically can't at this stage in my life. And that's where my spring break essential comes in, which is Taste Salute. Say goodbye to the Sunday Scaries with Taste Salute's hydrating drink mixes. Listen, I started my spring break a little bit early last weekend when my best friend Allie came to town And we had a night or two on the town. And how I felt, honestly, come Monday morning was better than any spring break party you can imagine. And that is a rare occurrence for me and has only started happening since I've started drinking Taste Salute religiously. Because unlike those big name brands we all know, Salude knocks it out of the park with their one-of-a-kind flavors. I'm drinking one right now. And no, it's not because I plan on drinking any kind of alcohol, but just because I'm trying to get hydrated and energized. I'm obviously drinking the horchata flavor, but you got to enjoy flavors like cucumber lime, hibiscus, and... They even have mocktails now. Say hello to Paloma and Strawberry Margarita. Filled with electrolytes and vitamins that support hydration and boost immunity with less sugar. I'm talking only one gram of sugar per stick. This is exactly what you need to get your Sunday fun day going, regardless of what the rest of the day entails. And here's the best part. They're sharing the love with all of my listeners. Enjoy 10% off your first purchase 
with the code SOFIA10 at checkout. That's S-O-F-I-A and the number 10 at Taysalud.com. Cheers to health this spring break season with Taysalud. Look, you've had a long day, your boss is annoying you, your boyfriend is accusing you of something you didn't even do, and your sibling is asking you for money. That's like an everyday thing for me. While I don't have all the answers, I do know that we have the power to change any situation we're in in a flash, in a snap. We can turn it into a celebration and a little glass of wine is just the thing to turn your day around sometimes. But of course, you just realized you ran out of everything. Luckily for you, our friends over at DoorDash have you covered. If you're in the mood to treat yourself or just want to make sure you are always hostess with the mostest ready, DoorDash is your go-to without you having to move from your couch. And it's convenient. Do you know how heavy a handle of tequila is? How about five of them? Exactly. Plus, the alcohol selection at DoorDash is top-notch. You will find what you're looking for. Beer, wine, mixers, and even mocktails for the non-alcoholic girlies can be delivered straight to your door. So get your drinks in hand without lifting a finger with DoorDash. And use code SOFIA24 to get 25% off up to a $15 value when you spend $35 or more on drinks through DoorDash. For eligible users only, terms apply, must be 21 plus to order alcohol, drink responsibly, delivery and promotions available only in select markets. Okay, so you're doing better, Mm -hmm. obviously. So when you got released from your halfway house or whatever, you threw a cocktail party at Mary Lou. Oh my gosh! Uh, my my friends <laughs> threw a dinner for me when I got when I got released, and like the next day, it's like he throws massive party at some restaurant, like <laughs> crazy. So your friends threw a party yes, for you? Yeah, it was a dinner, but yes. So it wasn't you like throwing a party? I mean, I was certainly like involved in like, hey, who's getting in, in the party in, like, planning? In, in the planning of a dinner reservation, right. yes. But and no- I'm surprised they trusted you with the planning after Fire <laughs> Festival. I know. <laughs> How's it going? Um, Okay, so it wasn't like, because I wanted to ask you, how did you get this mentality to just not give a singular fuck? Yeah, I think like I had four years of being in jail where, you know, I spent two years where I'm like, I'm like, I can't do anything. I'm pathetic. Like I'm, I'm fucking dead. And like remorse kicked in. And then it's like, okay, I can like do nothing or I can just go for it. And then if I go for it, honestly, like I still might fuck up, but I also have the chance then of like making things right. So. Yeah. I'd rather try to go make it happen. And as long as I don't hurt anybody and only like help people in small ways along the way, I think like that's the more admirable path where I can like be proud of myself in 20 years mm-hmm. rather than just like packing it in and, you know, doing nothing. Yep. I agree with that. Now that you're in the world, when people Google your name, yep. 
con artist. I, I didn't even know this was a thing until literally now a month ago. And every single day, Kino is my witness. Someone has asked me this question, how I feel about like being labeled a con really? artist on Wikipedia or Google, whatever the answer is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, kind of crazy. Like, uh-huh. I, I feel like I should start caring more, I guess. I just like didn't care for a while, but I probably should care now care that about all the things you did or that the wikipedia no i totally care about the things i did like that is awful and i've had so long to understand like how it was wrong and what i'm going to do but Mm -hmm. in terms of like a public statement like oh he's like a con artist like i don't know yeah i guess like ate shit for so many years now at this point it's like does Mm -hmm. it really matter right you don't have a plan to be a con artist no definitely not like cat like catch me if you can i'm just gonna say like i'm not like like that wasn't I'm, I'm your favorite movie as, like <laughs> as wild as that guy like yes i like lied probably worse than he did but mm-hmm. i was like it was out of fear and like being soft being naive and like wanting to make people happy yeah doesn't make the crime like less bad and arguably it's like worse because they misled people who i cared about yeah but yeah it's like it's based out of like insecurity rather than like trying to be like something like be a billionaire and steal everybody's money Mm, based out of insecurity that's that's interesting do you know who anna delvey is uh yeah she slept on my couch for like five months i never lived there but like in my magnesis (laughs) clubhouse she slept there for five months we have people asked you about her not really just like i remember the news cycle when i was in jail and then people are like you know various people in jail are asking me about it and the, the funniest thing the guards would say it's like I know nothing about this, but my wife really wants to know. Like, did you know Anna Delvey? It's like, no, you want to know. <laughs> and then, like, I start answering and they know everything. It's like, no, I think it was you, not your wife. <laughs> Wait, so she lived with you for five months? I had a loft in, a, when I was just, I think I was 21. I had gotten this like loft in Soho for my Magnesis card. And I was like, it was super early on. And like, I thought it was cool. So I hired like a publicist and even though I didn't, probably didn't need one. And he's like, you got to take care of this girl for two weeks. Like, let her stay on your couch and, and they need for two weeks. She's like interning for X, Y, and Z. And like, you know, it'll be a good favor to, you know, some of his other clients that he represented. Okay. Uh, so I'm like, yeah, sure. And like two weeks turned into five months and I just didn't know how to like kick her out, you know? I mean, she was great. Like I just got her seamless like every day, never said a word to her. And so she won. Never so, said a word. I mean, like, maybe like two minute conversations, but never had like a real conversation with her. So you guys never hooked up? No, I don't know. Do people like stand you guys as a couple? Like, do they want you guys to be together? I, 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 I don't know. I, you, you have no idea. <laughs> no idea. Okay. <laughs> she owes me dinner from all those seamlesses. I guess. Yeah. I'm just talking yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is dating like for you, though? So, I met this girl on bail, actually. So, years before, I was invited to this like crazy gal in the Hamptons when I was like 21 years old, and I shouldn't have been there. And like, went to this after party and saw this girl at the after party, and I'm like like damn she's fucking like you know she's my type like i want to talk to this girl and uh-huh. like it's kind of like staring at her but like didn't have the balls and like i was like the little kid in the room and mm-hmm. didn't like have the balls to go up and talk to her and i was on bail and i literally saw like the same girl on a billboard so i took the picture took her picture did a reverse google search on it super like creepy found her agent's like contact information mm-hmm. and i was on bail i had like no money at this point like you know i've got nothing going on so i call off the agent and it's like listen man like i need a favor i got this photo shoot and just basically booked her for this fake photo shoot. So you see this girl at a party. And then years later, that was 21 or 22. So three or four years later, you know, she's obviously older now. But I'm like, oh, that's on a, a billboard. On a billboard. I'm like, that's the same chick. <laughs> you would remember that? Well, I, I mean, I remember seeing the girl, like, you know. Right. So like. Love at first sight. Yeah. So like, you know, took the picture, found it, 
did the fake photo shoot. And it's like I had a book for other girls too, because it wasn't about her. <laughs> they get there, like, where's the hair and makeup? Where's the wardrobe? I'm like, um, um. You're like, this is a natural <laughs> look. I'm and like, guys, I, just, I rented a sprinter, so I'm gonna pretend like it's mine. Can we go back to the city now and hang out? And they're like, uh, no. Like, so. Like, You're like taking pictures on your <laughs> yeah, fucking exactly. iPhone, pretending. Like, I'm sideways. Like, yeah. oh like, my great. You guys look great. Um, went back to the city. Nothing happened. And uh-huh. then, like, literally three days later, I actually had a meeting at my lawyer's office to see to realize to see basically how fucked I was. And I had, a, I had a driver who was like using from time to time at this point, and he mm-hmm. takes the wrong turn, and I'm super late, and I'm, I'm yelling, I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Like, they're gonna fuck me. And then he's like, boss, there's a girl from the photo shoot, and she was walking down the street. I'm like, pull over. So he pulled over. I'm like, hey, and I roll my window down and scream for her. I'm like, we're doing one again soon. Can I have your number? <laughs> I swear, I swear, I'm, couldn't, couldn't think Please. of anything better. And she gave me her number, and the rest oh, of the history. Oh, she did. Yeah. I'm surprised she wasn't like, fuck you. That wasn't a fucking yeah. photo shoot. Yeah, but she gave me her number and then I'm like, didn't know how to, like, didn't know what to do for a date. So I'm like, pack your bags, you're going away for one night, but I can't leave New York. So like, it can't, it's not going to be crazy. Because you're a probation? Because I was on bail. It's like, it's the same rules now as then. And I can't leave New York. Uh, she's like, oh, are we going skiing? I'm like, oh, not quite. And it was the middle of the winter. We flew a small plane to Montauk and went jet skiing in like the middle of the winter, which is pretty fun. Okay. So, yeah. so, so you have a girlfriend. Uh, so she was with me for like the first few years of jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, we broke up at some point in jail, but uh, she, she's, you know, around, around right now. So yeah, that, she, she, okay. she, she went through a lot. So that was great. That was one of the things I really wanted to ask you was, you know, like the Jeffrey Dahmer thing. Yeah not comparing you to him yeah. by the way but did you receive a ton of fan mail and uh, like girls being like you're so hot it was a lot of like entrepreneur guys who are like are starting a business and like while they didn't do something wrong like i did they could understand like the ups and downs of the business world and then mm-hmm. a lot of crazy girls like i didn't attract like the normal girls <laughs> it's like the girls i attracted were super super dedicated and like writing every week like saying right. the craziest shit I mean, it's I like why can't I find the normal ones it's, it's only like the super crazy because they're writing into someone they don't know exactly right but yeah it was like not a ton but the ones I got were like super hardcore like yeah let's get you know, married yeah let me send you money baby or daddy like you know can we yeah. get married like I'll have your kids and like blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> like I'm so scared well hopefully they like sent you nudes or something right because you need that in there we weren't allowed to get nudes but I got a lot of the uh you know mirror selfie pics that were oh yeah. okay so what they look through your shit and they're like oh there's a nipple yeah oh yeah they look at every every piece of mail and pictures that come in no nipples and i'm like throw them away but then i would just give the pictures out to the other guys <laughs> <laughs> i was so bad i would give the letters uh-huh. and pictures to like guys who have been in jail forever and they would write them it's like hi i'm mark like i'm currently oh. incarcerated with billy you know i've been here, here for 18 years but i love your letter like can we right, talk right 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 <laughs> these girls are probably like what the fuck <laughs> charity work <laughs> charity work charity work for yeah, your friends making introductions yeah so so, okay, I do want to talk about the new tech company. Yep. So I want to hear if you like this. You basically go on the app. We're calling it Mate, but like M-A-I-T. Mm-hmm. And the concept is you describe your ideal boyfriend, like everything from like job, humor, height, weight, hair color, eye color, you know, body type. Mm-hmm. We design like an AI picture of him. Once it's good enough, we he's like click OK. And then we find five people in your city that look just like him. Ooh. And the whole thing is like we turn your dream person into a reality. Wow. So it's like I want a banker who's 27 with like long brown hair and blue eyes who likes yeah. basketball and likes chess. Like, all right, here's five of them right now who are your age in this market. And then like that's, here's how you meet them. I think that's genius, brilliant. I think 
both men and women are yeah. going to love it. I think men are going to love it a little bit more. Can we talk about you testing this app in a couple of weeks when it's ready? I think the content would be hilarious. Just like a thousand percent. Hell yeah. I'm already starting to think of like, what's my perfect guy? Like I, I have some ideas. And then what? And then I get to just get in contact with them. So basically like we just like give you all their like, you know, email, socials and everything. But we want to have a feature where it's like I come up with a crazy date concept for you guys too and like make the connection happen. So oh, shit. let's do that. I will pay for a wild date with you and whoever one of your five matches are and like give you guys a great night. So use me for that. But I think it'll be fun as hell. Yeah. You know what you should do is have the girl yeah. be blindfolded when she talks to all of them because they all look the same. Interesting. And then she Interesting. can just pick, and then she can pick their personality, right? That's a good idea because we all know they're going to match like the looks of your ideal person mm-hmm. already. That's super smart. Yeah. That's cool. So what? All these people have to submit their photos. Yeah. So working on it now, launching in a couple weeks. But can I, think I it's submit like fun. mine? For sure. No, you're gonna you're gonna use it. You're gonna tell us who your ideal person is, okay. and then yeah, and we'll we'll find them for you. Can I invest? Uh, I'm not allowed to, to raise money, but like, come, come use it. Come use it. Come I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give me money. Just come use the platform. Okay. Well, Billy, this yeah. was so incredible. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank the you. app is going to be called what? Mate. M-A-I-T. M-A-I-T. Yes. I love it. That's amazing. I'm sorry you can't travel. You're on bail. Yeah. New York is, we're about to have a beach. Why have they not hired me to do the festival for the New York beach? I don't know. Kick this thing off right. Come on, guys. I don't don't know, Your boy's here. I'm stuck here. Let's make the best of it. I mean, you have your uh, Fire Festival 1.5 coming out. How many people do you think will buy tickets to that one? Uh, I'm just going to give them all away. Make it like 500 people and like something doable, but like still Mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah. Do you think people will still go even if it's free? That's a good good question. I think like just because it's going to be such a cultural thing, like let's see how bad he fucks this one up. And people are going to probably come in like with the intentions of like they're backpacking across the United (laughs) States. Right. All right, guys, like bring our survival gear, like bring every fucking camera we can get and just like get footage to sell to Netflix of him fucking this one up. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Okay. Well, Billy, you're the best. Thank Um, you, Sophia. Where can they find you? Uh, at Pirate Billy, P-Y-R-T. P-Y-R-T, which is your other company, which we yes. didn't get into, but... Next time. It sounds like you are killing it. And you guys know where to find me, Sophia with an F, Franklin with a Y, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks so much, Billy. Bye.